This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter at The Ask Brothers. Get all our content on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Ask Bros. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Welcome to an Ask Brothers OG, but not quite the original OG. We have a, a new member tonight filling in for our esteemed ass brother, Max, who's just had his first child. Um, so welcome, Darren. I feel like I'm, I'm popping my Darren cherry tonight. We've been, we've been <laughs> I'm wait, sure waiting. I like being, I'm not sure I like being called a member. <laughs> or, or a member in the same breath as popping a cherry. It's quite, a, it's quite an analogy, that one. But, so um, was it like it, being in the big chair? Oh, I've done it once or twice before for um, for our monthly pod, which don't really happen um, so much anymore. But it's it's all right. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. There might be a little less structure. There could be more structure. Who knows? Who knows? As I said to you before we started, all you've got to do is ask a question within a statement within a question and say rhinoceros cock a few times, and nobody will know the difference. Exactly. We're we're not starting from a particularly high bar. It's a very <laughs> low bar to. Uh, to begin with, but in any case, it's um it's quite joyous actually this this conversation. So we'll have a we'll have a couple of um, negatives like always along the way. I don't I don't think we could be proper fans without having those. But I I almost missed because in Australia the the one good point about being what ahead of the world, I guess ahead of the northern hemisphere by eleven hours, is that Max and I get to do a pod and have a instant chat and it's up before anything else is up so that that's the one that's the one advantage of um of watching it in the morning down under but in any case let's the um, downside is you have to live in australia huh? well there, there there is that it is um less of the free country as it once was i would uh, i would have to say but um in any case let's uh, let's talk some football what was your um what was your feeling what was your mood Straight after the game, uh, look after that last ten minutes of the game, it was relief. <laughs> <laughs> I think when yeah. I think when Arteta said that was the worst ten minutes of football we've played, and it really was, wasn't it? I mean, you mm. think I've just watched rewatched the game, the highlights anyway, five minutes of them, and that last ten minutes where you've got Gabriel, who's been fairly secure, just. Do you see that one where he just thumped it about forty foot in the air? Oh. Do you know, and uh, Parker went off for a corner. I yeah, just, it was just relief but it is the, funny isn't it how, how the, the mood has changed because in the game that we played uh, at White Hart Lane uh, towards the start of the season we had I think it was uh, 32 crosses but we were in the middle of a bad run and everyone said how mm. terrible we played uh, mm. and Spurs just counter, to counter-attack twice and scored two games this game we had 26 crosses and everyone says we're playing brilliantly so it's just you know, know. The, mood, the mood is so much better at the moment. So, uh, but you know, it, we dominated at their place and we dominated at our place, but it was still scary. So yeah, just just relief, relief. It certainly was. The one that sticks in my mind is the party pass to nobody <laughs> for the corner, and by that time I'm starting to brick it, and it's very difficult for us in Oz because we're, we're watching it on delay you know the games happen the night before sometimes so i i'm very tempted to start clicking the fast forward button just to just to um just to ease the agony slightly um but yeah the other thing you were saying was the the some of the relentless crossing and the uh the impotent possession that we had at times was uh, slightly frustrating but i think we'll get on to that um a little bit later and we'll start I will attempt to start with a little bit of uh, bit of structure. What were your thoughts on the lineup first of all? So there's a couple of. Um, I'll try not to make a statement before you laugh at me. Um, a couple of, of, of points of interest for for me. So you know, Cedric starting on the right. We had a feeling there would be some type of defensive move to counteract their attacking front four and ESR on the left, and and of course. Um, and of course, no over. So, to over to you, your thoughts. Well, 
Look, I've been a Bellerin fan since. Uh, I'm, I don't know if you know my history, um, so I'm uh, I'm a season ticket holder. I've been pretty much all my life, and when I've been living in this country, I go. So I watch yep. people like Bellerin make their debut, and mm. we were so he looked like he was going to be the best right back in the world. So I, I love him. And if you did. look at him outside of the game, he's smart, he's intelligent, he's uh, he's, he's he's fashion conscious, he's, he's socially aware. He is your perfect footballer when you've got so many modern day footballers that can't string a sentence together he and I wanted him to be so good but he hasn't been you know I mean since his injury he's still I mean he's, his numbers are good he's scoring goals he's setting up crosses but he's just just hasn't made it and when now Barcelona talk about paying 20 30 million for him yeah you know take it and I think Cedric has, has earned his place I mean Cedric's crossing has been good his defending has been good so I was actually quite pleased to see uh, Cedric play there. Um, Aubameyang, well, I, suppose, I guess we should talk. I mean, what do you think on there? Is, is Arteta, he's upset Genduzzi, he's upset Torreira, he's upset Ozil. All of them have left the club. And now he, he, he puts our captain on the bench for turning up late, or, or if that's the story we believe. I, I, mean, I like it. That? I like it. I like it. Um not because I'm a key disciplinarian in my life. I couldn't be further from the opposite. But in terms of the the player power and our sort of lack of um, of hard edge and the lack of respect for culture on and off the pitch, I don't mind it at all. I feel like he's a boxer. He's going around chinning pricks left, right and centre. And he's getting rid of that sort of old guard and that old mentality where you know fourth place was good enough or there or thereabouts was good enough and you shit the bed as soon as you you know I I mean I know I'm talking in the past here but as soon as you go into the knockouts in the Champions League you shit the bed and you're out the first round you know or you come up against your your Bayern Munich or something like that and lose 10-1 on aggregate so I I really don't mind it and I feel I feel with the power play from Arteta, it could have it could have so bitten him in the ass because Laka didn't. We will talk about this, but Laka didn't exactly set the world on fire. <laughs> so to chin your captain like that and say, "Look, this is the culture," you know, I don't care if you're in traffic. You're supposed to set the example. Blah blah blah. Like I said, I'm not a big disciplinarian in my life in that regard, but in terms of that culture and the amount of money being paid and dare I say the unsuitability of Aubameyang as a captain just from his his nature I don't mind it I don't mind it at all you know in in my in my opinion Aubameyang should be a goal scorer and a happy guy a good time guy and when he gets on that happy roll he's going to put the ball in the back of the net I don't think he should be anywhere near the armband well, that's exactly my point I was going to make. I hate to agree with everything you said, but I, I, there was um, if those of you who listen to me, Max and Liam, on Thursday Night Live, I've got a big, big problem with Aubameyang being captain. He is exactly what you say. He's a great goal scorer. Um, yep. He gives us something different. He's a top-class player, always has been. But there was a game at the start of the season. We were away at Manchester City, and we lost 1-0, I think it was. I forget. I see a lot of games. <laughs> it all goes into one. But mm. the, the camera went to... Aubameyang at the final whistle. We've just lost 1-0. And Aubameyang, he's laughing and joking with some of his Manchester City mates. You know, and he's yeah. he's got a big smile, that big smile on his face. He makes me look miserable. You know, he's got this big smile on his face. And I, I grew up in the era of watching, you know, I watched Tony Adams make his debut. I've seen Patrick mm. Vieira all through his career. And th- those players, Tony Adams would not have smiled for three days. He might have got drunk for three days, but he 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 would have he, he would have he wouldn't have smiled for three days, and nobody would have dared smile, and they yeah. would have gone on that bus home from from Manchester, and and there would have been um, a terrible atmosphere, and I think that's mm. what the problem was. It was a very soft club at Arsenal. You know, we everyone mm. just seemed to be happy, and we're just all going through the motions. And Aubameyang was mm. part of that. He's part of that end of Wenger Emery sort of reign where it didn't really matter. The scary thing for me is that Arteta is looking so grumpy at the moment. I mean, in the last six weeks, when we're actually playing quite well and things are working quite well, he has been so grumpy in the press conferences with reporters. You can see him on the side. He just looks unhappy. 
and the players have all bought into it and they're scared mm. shitless now of doing anything wrong. Uh, uh, but, you know, but the, I mean, that's it. You know, they're all fearful and that could just be on a very, on a knife edge. You know, I don't mind it. I really don't mind it. I, I mean, and I know we project what we want to see or what we want to believe, but if he's got, and I, I said this the other day, I mean, I know it's a very, um, you know, I, I know it's a very easy analogy or comparison to take, but if you've got the obsessive prickliness of Pep and he was someone who was under Pep's wing and who Pep admired, maybe that obsessive prickliness is there as well. You know, it's not about being content. It's about accountability, culture. The one thing that I would draw comparisons with as well we're starting to see the semblance of a bit of a squad as well. You know how people came on and did a job and, you know, you've got backups for certain players and certain ways of playing as well. And dare I say, even bloody Willian is starting to fit into, you're starting to see, you know, the first sprouts of, of something germinating, you know, we're starting to see a reason for him being there and a style of play when he's on the pitch. So I'm not saying that should be first choice, but if you need to defend well and hold possession a little bit more and not expose yourself to the transitions, maybe he is a better option at times. I just love so. the way that Arteta is uh, is changing and reforming this club. You can see he's, re- he's rebuilding it from the bottom up, isn't he? He really is. He's. Uh, I yep. mean, it's, it's kind of funny. I wasn't um, over keen on his appointment. I just thought it was a strange appointment that we employ someone at Arsenal Football Club, one of the biggest clubs in the world, who's never done the job before. And I mean, all right, mm. he's, he's got a good apprenticeship, but that doesn't mean he could do it. Yeah, I, I agree, particularly when there was talk of him before Emery. I was, totally wasn't keen then. Anyway, I interrupted you. All, all I'm saying is that I, I've, I'm enjoying watching Arsenal again. You know, I mean, that's the, that's the thing. So I mean, I'm a very positive fan. And suddenly, you know, we're, it's, it's a strange situation because we've still got a very good defence. It's the same players that were under Emery that was, was struggling under me. It, it's a, you know, but piece by piece, they weren't very good. David Luiz mistakes all over the place, bettering out long-term injury. Um, Kalazanac at left back. You know, we had a terrible, terrible defence, but without doing too much, he's eased a couple of players out, he's eased some players in. And now whoever plays, whether it be Holding or Gabriel or Mari um, uh, or David Luiz, they all seem to know what they're doing. Everyone seems to have a job. And for the first, I don't know, six months of this season, it was hard to watch because we can't score any goals, mm-hmm. you know, defensively. And then, of course, every week we, we throw in a, 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 a present, you know, every week, you know, they, we, let's give them a goal start. Let's do something, you know. And yeah. we haven't been able to score goals. But bit by bit, he's rebuilding this club with some discipline. And there's some fabulous football being played now, you know. And and I'm I'm, I'm excited to watch Arsenal again. And all those fans that criticise Arteta, all those fans that, you know, there was a lot of Arteta out. I used to be on the Clock In Talk podcast. And I, could, you know, I couldn't believe when, you know, like three months into the season, oh, well, he's got to go. And I'm thinking, well, why Why would you want to do this? This is a guy, if we've taken a chance on him, let's see how it goes, you know. And and I've always thought, give him another couple of transfer windows, let him get rid of those players that he doesn't want on his side, let him get rid of the, the people who haven't bought into his project. You know, let's, let's, and I'm loving it now. And the fact that he, he got rid of our captain, who shouldn't be captain, I mean, there's not a lot of other choices in that team, but he, he you know, go on the bench. I love that. It just depends how Aubameyang reacts to it. Who should be who should be captain? We've got a real issue there. Who should be captain of that side? I was having this the discussion. The only correct answer is Granite Jacker, by the way. But who who? <laughs> no, no, I I love that you say that because I was winding people up today on on our group with that exact with that exact comment. Um, I would say probably KT would be would be my number one choice. My concern with him is that he's a biscuit so did do you know the aussie term biscuit for no, um no, no, for, for a very brittle player oh, okay very brittle he breaks it breaks easily so he's always out injured that's part of my concern this is a very polarizing comment and uh, a lot of my fellow ass brothers will completely shit a brick as soon as i say this but shaq has been about our best player for the last two and a half months. The, the leadership and control that he shows on the pitch is exactly what we've been lacking. Now, 
I know he's had errors in his games, whether, you know, whether how exposed he was in previous systems, whether his midfield partners weren't good enough, whether he just wasn't motivated to be aware all the time or whether he hadn't had his balls tickled and he was empowered to be that leader. But when you see leadership on the pitch, as a fan, that's what you should love. Not whether or not you like him off the field or what he says on fucking social media or any of the, any of that stuff. What I'm seeing at the moment is an organiser, someone who slows the play down when we need to, someone who distributes well when we need to, someone who covers other people defensively when we need to, and then a new element to his game, he's starting to press very well and tackle very well. We won every single second ball against Spurs. We absolutely dominated the midfield, uh, and I think Erdegaard was part of that. I'd just like to put that in there. But him and Part were absolutely like manically, brilliantly tough and solid. And that's everything that Arsenal hasn't been for a number of years. So uh, unpopular, I know, but I've said it. <laughs> you say unpopular. I'm just having a quick look at the uh, the comments there. Ask Bros Ryan. I'd rather have Willian as captain before Xhaka. Uh, Scanner Jack had a chance before he blew it more than a hooker. You know, it's, uh, you know, I, I, it does divide it. But and I'm a bit worried about Tierney as captain. I thought he would be Arsenal captain of the future. You've only got to watch him for a couple of weeks. But I'm not sure he really fits in with the group. I'm not sure. You know, he's so different from every player in that pitch. I'm not sure they would pay much atten attention to him. He's also not that vocal. You know, he's, he's really not. But when you see them all turning up with their $300 headphones and their, their designer suits as they turn up, and he turns up with his Tesco carrier bag, I'm not sure that's also what we want representing Arsenal Football Club. You know, we, it, it, we, we love him as a player. You know, I really, really would love to, you know, Tierney's to sort of, if we had 11 Tierney's, we'd, we'd be champions of the world. But we, you know, I'm not really sure he's catching material. But there's no one else, is there? I mean, Gabriel no. looks nervous as anything at the yep. end, and and he's young, and he's young. He's yeah. he's younger I mean, than he than he looks. I wouldn't give it to David Luiz because he's a Chelsea player still. Um, I'm not seeing a lot of other people there. I mean, you know, Lacazette gets it for his seniority in the squad. I see you chuckling away with something I'm just, there. I've just seen um, another comment there. Sorry, this is the Gifford Laguna's podcast, Darren. You seem lovely, which I like. Yes, I am very lovely. Uh, but you're describing the exact reason why Tierney should be captain. And, and, and you know, let me just mm. develop on that, is that, you know, I'm saying he, I, I think he could be an Arsenal captain of the future. But at the moment, he seems like a little bit of a... He just doesn't seem to fit in that, you know, the personality oh, of the other players. I, sure I disagree. I, I love it. Call me a dinosaur, but all this overpaid twat fest and your fucking Prada bags and your fucking high heels and your designer fucking everything, that's so disconnected from the football fan anyway. So I'd love to bring back a bit of the old school. I mean... Like I said, call me a dinosaur, but you know this this overpaid shite where uh, you know you're there's just too many prima donnas about. Yeah, you know. Let me just sorry to interrupt you. Quick story. I mean, I know I'm very very old, and I've been watching Arsenal since about well mid seventies really. Season to get older since 1980. I'm a long long time. I was queuing up at Highbury for a ticket. I've told this story before and many times, but I was queuing up for a ticket uh, um, at the old Highbury Stadium in the days. It was a cup game, I don't know, quarterfinal, semi-final. And you used to be able to go and queue for tickets. And the queue would go all the way, on, way around the stadium. And I'd got there early and I was at the entrance to the clock end where you could, um, you, there was a sort of like a, a, an entrance there for people to drive in. And the players used to train underneath the stand. They bought, they put an artificial turf. This is well before the days where London Colney is what it is. So the players used to go and train on this artificial pitch underneath the clock end. And I happened to be in the queue where the barrier was, where they left this little road open where the players could come in for training. And I'm standing there, and, and I think the, there was only two I saw, but Kevin Campbell came in in what was a Ford XR3 or RS2000, the fanciest car you could have in that day. You know, it was like... Still a cool still cool car. The, the RS2000 is still a cool car. Convertible, music blaring out, you know, and he, he yeah. the music 
in his black and you know it's that black sounds coming out and he drove in waving to the crowd behind him came david hillier who you know was a fairly mediocre midfield player for us who does now work for arsenal and arsenal.com he turned up in a mark ii escort brown mark ii escort which i own i was 17 you know it was my <laughs> first car. and and you sort of felt part of the players you know you felt alongside yeah, them, yeah. You know? If I did well, I could get an RS2000 and I had a Mark II Escort, you know, but you now you see them with their Lamborghinis in there. Do you know, you, it's just, they're so far apart. So the team thing with a Tesco I know. bag, love it, I love it, love it. I have, to, I have to pull you up on one thing though. I have to, as a car guy, I know that there was never an RS2000 RS convertible. In, the, in which case, like my memory as I'm getting old, it was wrong. But it was a sexy car. It was definitely a Ford and it was definitely a convertible. <laughs> you know, maybe he had the, cut, the top cut off. You know, he was a professional footballer. He was earning £200 a week. True, true. Which does not make for good uh, good handling and s- chassis rigidity. But anyway, I, I digress. I digress. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, um, that's, that's a very good discussion on... Um, on the captaincy thing and you know there's not many leaders on the clubs leaders um at the club rather and there's certainly not many leaders on the pitch and i think that's something that arsenal have lacked for a really long time we've had captains off the pitch that more often or not don't play that was a common occurrence for about five years or so so performers performers on the pitch and and call me polarizing but i would say Abamyang is a figurehead leader, a figurehead captain, and I would say Jacques is the actual captain on the pitch. So couldn't agree more. Come at me, bitches. <laughs> well, we both said Jacques, so come no, at no, me no, as we well. we did, we did. Just get my next point up. All right, so um, look at you all organised with a list feeling... of to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, is this, this is time to say we didn't mention at the start. Max has had a kid. Should that be allowed? <laughs> and what a preparation, baby! <laughs> oh well, I, I, there was a picture of uh, of her looking at him, going, "Who the fuck is this cunt?" So I think that's that's very um, that's very apt for for Max in any case. But I've been laughing at him because what Max has done for many a year, and we shouldn't do too many inside jokes, but I think people watch the pod, they know who Max is. He is a piece of shit who enjoys the pain and suffering of other people and really dislikes anyone showing any love or outward-facing affection. It, it threatens him. So as soon as he starts gushing over this this little person, we can all laugh at him. And calling him the mushiest cunt that ever fucking walked the planet, and he's just like the rest of us. So fuck off. Anyway, so um, question, Daz: How bad were Mourinho's tactics, or did we play well? Well, I don't think we gave them a chance to play. That's how good we were. You know, I mean, you know, we've watched Arsenal all season. We're, I've said to a, I'm on a WhatsApp group with some mates. Um, it's a nice mix of London clubs. There's three West Ham, three Tottenham, a Chelsea, and myself. And yep. somebody said to us, I, I posted about um, two months ago after we'd lost again, somebody was taking the piss. And I said, this Arsenal side will be very, very good in six to 12 months. I feel this Arsenal side will be very good. But at the moment, we're just so fragile. Yeah, uh, and and that's that fragility, giving away goals early. Just you know, there's so many mistakes in this side, and that last ten minutes sort of emphasised that point. Is that we were dominating for eighty minutes, and then suddenly we just looked so fragile. So uh, when you when you talk about Mourinho, I think we were that good uh, and that well prepared that we just didn't let them play. You know, we just we we just didn't we we kept Kane quiet, we kept Song quiet for the twenty minutes he was on. We didn't let them get out. We were first to every ball. Mourinho, being manager of Tottenham Hotspur, is like uh, karma to me. You know, when there was talk of him coming Arsenal manager, I could not believe there was a single Arsenal fan anywhere that would want that cunt. Can I say cunt on this podcast? That cunt. You absolutely to manage can. our football club, and 
when he went to Tottenham, it's just the perfect synergy. The man I hate most in the world of football management is now the team I hate most in the world of football. It's wonderful, so it's just, isn't it? It's, just it's, beautiful... it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Because yeah. if you couldn't, not being living in, in London, certainly not for many, many years, we over here don't have that unbridled right, tribalism. Okay, so absolutely dislike them immensely. But to have the extra layer of Mourinho on top of that, that really brings back the hate in a beautiful way that almost harks back to, you know, your your early 2000s Man United type of hatred. It, it's perfect. It's exactly what we need. You know, they're a mid-table club. We're a mid-table club. They have a manager that we fucking hate with all of our hearts and he didn't even get them playing. He didn't even get them playing. They didn't bother pressing. They didn't do anything with their attack minded players. He just let us have the ball. They didn't counter particularly well, like in the last game. And all of a sudden we're dominating possession for that period of time. And they didn't even, they didn't even wake up until cunt face fucking Lamella came on. So, my my issue with that from the first half was how many opportunities we spurned again. So the profligacy of our attack and how sterile we were in domination again and the 57 gazillion fucking crosses when we don't really have a natural header of the ball. Um, I, I felt in that first stanza that we were doing what we always do and we missed we were missing our opportunities and lo and behold we went a goal down two part question how bad we were at not taking our opportunities and then the lamella worldie yeah i mean you'd hit the nail on the head seeing arteta's one thing i'm not quite sure i, I agree with with uh, arteta he plays this game where we want to play crosses. You know, we want to put crosses in. 26 in this game, 32 in the previous game. And yet we haven't got a player who can head the ball. I mean, Aubameyang, I know he wasn't playing, but Aubameyang is the worst header of the ball for a centre-forward I've ever seen. You know, yeah. Lacazette should be good, but he's not. <laughs> you know, so, so he's we're, awful we're heading the ball. So let's put 26 crosses in and not have anyone who can head it. So so that's 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 a concern. And I don't know how we fix that. I, I actually prefer Lacazette in that position than Aubameyang at the moment. I, I just think in that sort of game. Really? Some, yeah, well, I just this think the first thing we've dis- This is the first thing we've disagreed with. I just don't I, see- I've I've been... I, I've been really happy with the Bamiang through the middle. As long as you've got the creativity on the, you know, on the wings and the the number ten doing their job and the overlapping fullbacks, all he needs to do is get his foot on the ball, and at least he's a finisher. And when they when he drags out over to the left, and you know, like your Erdegaards come closer in, or your Sackers play as a second centre forward. It, I feel like it's worked. I'm, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm surprised that you lack a Z comment. I think maybe I've just got, I've got a bit of a downer on a Bamiyang. Just full time. I've never thought he was a great finisher. You said he was a great mm. finisher. Well, I think he's he spurns so a lot, yeah. and he's so quick. And when we're playing against teams that have got to play a high line, he's so good at getting in behind and finishing. But actually, chances he gets in, he misses more than he scores. You know, he's not a prolific goal scorer. Um, so contrast been, that to Lacazette. How? Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong, Lacazette. <laughs> Lacazette. <laughs> in that sort of game where you want a bit of bite, a little bit of tackle, and somebody who tends to hold the ball up, somebody who drops deep and and makes all that system work. Because Erdegaard and Smith Rowe and Saka, if you haven't got that pivot in the middle in in Lacazette at the moment, and I'm not saying he's the the right answer, but unless mm. you've got that player, he's the one who does try and link it up. Aubameyang does one thing. He sits over on the shoulder of the on the right on the left hand side of the pitch and he runs over the top. I mean that's mm. that's it. He doesn't get tappings. You know, he's he, he's not that sort of player. I would imagine that fifty percent of his goals are the ones that he runs onto and he finishes. Very, very good at that skill. But I'm not oh, look at you drinking a beer. You know, I'm to, look, I've even got my Guinness glass with me today, just but it's filled with water. This is not filled. <laughs> 
so you know, I'm, I'm not saying Lacazette is the answer, but I'm just a little bit. I think when when Aubameyang plays on the left hand side, it's a waste of time. You know, it's yep. just a waste of our time. Yeah. And I'm not into it. I'm not playing. into Aubameyang on the left anymore. It, it's yeah. was, to me, it's done. In the, in the pre match discussion when they were talking about Lacazette through the centre and Aubameyang on the left, I was like, fucking why? You're not going to hold possession on the left. He's not going to press. Lacazette's unlikely to score. He's not, you know, it, it, it just, to me, it seemed insane that that was even in the thought process. I would have any number of players on the left over Aubameyang at the moment. And to me, Aubameyang is in the centre or bust, I would have to say. But um, back to back to our point of the wasted opportunities in, in the first half, did you feel that it was, oh, here we go again? You know, that domination that, without scoring and then conceding. That all season. You know, I mean, yeah. more especially in the last two months because we're playing well and we're creating chances. But we've never had this problem of not scoring goals. You know, mm. we really haven't had this problem. It's always been the defence. Well, the other the end, issue, yeah. You know, yeah. And, uh, and now we've finally got a team that's creating chances. And we should... I bet on Arsenal winning 4-0, 3-0 and 4-0 every game. It's a historical thing. We we actually win three four nil a lot in in, Ars- in Arsenal's history. That's I've hardly won a bet all year. You know we're we're just struggling to score yeah. those. You know we're just struggling. Something's not right, um, and I think we might see it at the end of the year. I mean I don't know about Aubameyang, but I think if he could get an upgrade on Lacazette, because I think that's the right type of player for the system that he's playing. But we just need someone who's just a little bit better, a bit more clinical. He just isn't mm. scoring the goals. I've been defending Lacazette a lot over the last year or so. Mm. Um, mm. He was player of the season two years ago, was it? Two, three years ago. He was a player. Not long ago, year. yeah. Yeah, so you it know. must be three seasons ago now. Yeah, and he, and, was, and he didn't yeah. go suddenly bad to me. He didn't, uh, you know, one year to the next. The goals just dried up. Um, mm. He still worked. I felt, the, I felt it was the, the injuries more with Lacazette. You remember remember he was carrying something for a fair while without getting operated on or something. It was an ankle and he had a dry spell and he's just never gone on a run again. Whereas we first got him, that first game against Stoke with that stupid disallowed goal because his fucking toe was offside or something. Um, and we can get on to that as well, especially me being a dinosaur. Like this fucking bullshit VAR offside. Oh. It's just... Awful. But, yeah, I mean, he he was clinical, but it really died off. And now he looks quite cumbersome. He doesn't look very quick. He works hard, so I love and respect him for that. But we need more from a number nine. He's, he's not a great connector. He can't head the ball. He's not a great goal scorer anymore. Um, he's lost that. He's lost that innate ability to get on the end of something. So, um, I say sell. Anyway, I don't want to talk about VAR, but this—I've always been against VAR, and I am—I am officially a dinosaur. I'm old enough. I was around when they were just young. Uh, when the I wheel was not, invented, yeah, you know, and and I've—I've always been opposed to VAR because, mm. you know, as a football fan, we all love football for scoring goals, and that immediate joy is gone now out of the game. It's just gone. And a really good example of this, I was watching the game on Sunday afternoon, big North London derby, my least favourite game of the season because it's uh, it's too much riding on it, especially when both yeah. teams are mid-table. It becomes the pivotal game of the season. And I've got, I know we're in lockdown here, but I had a couple of mates around, a Chelsea fan, an American guy who, uh, who sat, who's got no interest in football whatsoever, spends the whole game betting. But the two of them were watching. And when Arsenal scored that... that, that um, uh, scored the winner you know that they're they're looking at me as if i'm going to run around the room and jump and i said so i said what's the matter you've scored and i said yeah just wait to see now i've got to wait and that's the trouble you have to now wait to see if someone sitting in an office is going to decide mm. that that's a stupid decision no no time. it's a very very good point it, it's taken the immediate joy out of it and i think um something needs to be done to uh, to change find, to change. Did you find watching the Europa League games? They slightly they they sort of do it slightly different in Europe. I can't really put my finger on why, but it doesn't seem to matter so much. You know, the referee refs the game, 
and you know things are checked things are done but here i don't know whether it's the broadcasters but everyone says oh you know they, they're so concentrating on var whereas in the europa league it seems to be a bit more in the background and uh, yeah well it's probably it's probably bre- it's probably branded and it's part of the fucking marketing package i would say but um i hates it and i wish it would go um i think it takes the joy out of football i think it takes a lot of the debate out of football and what we've seen this season is that things are subjective anyway. So what's the fucking point of being solely objective when the rules are subjective? So get fucked, throw it out, have a fight, have an argument. That's what football is about. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I'm And ce- celebrate. I just remember ce- your question was about Lamella. I don't know how we got all the way around. Oh, good, good. All right. <laughs> thank, thank you. Now you really are taking bloody Max's place. Go on. <laughs> Fucking hated it. One of the best goals I've ever seen. I know. Hated it. I know. That is such a horrible, nasty. Oh, a series. I must have said something. I must have. I must have lisped then, and she said, "Thought I said Siri." No, I said, "Lamella's a cunt." <laughs> he's such a horrible player. He's that Argentinian. He's dirty. He's nasty. Leaves a foot in. Horrible player to watch. He looks like Fit a prick. Mourinho he's in slimy. Yeah, he's, he's everything. Yeah. But we've got to say, well, not only one of the best goals I've ever seen, it's in a North London derby. Thank God it wasn't a winner. Thank it God even, it wasn't a winner. It even had curl. Like, <laughs> it was, there was at no moment that I thought that was a Rabona. And I'm watching it with my with my five-year-old and I don't want him, I try not to get him using the word hate, you know, even you know, it's just not a nice word for a five-year-old. But I'm like, we hate this team. Like, it's okay. It's okay to say it when it's first. And um, anyway, we're watching it and we're dominating and all of that stuff. And we just had this conversation about, about dominating possession but doing nothing with it, you know. And, um, and then that motherfucker out of nowhere, how the thought even went through his head that that was the best option to get on, did he nutmeg two players in the process? And then he even got curl, so he didn't want to use his right foot that badly. That the Rabona was the only option. Unbelievable. I, I mentioned I and, watched it with an American who's got absolutely no interest in football. thinks thinks our football is just boring and stupid. Yeah, he looked at that and went, "Fuck, fuck, what motherfucker? What the motherfucker do this?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was the first time he'd shown any interest in watching football. You know, wow, unbelievable! I, I, I'm loath to praise that motherfucker, that greasy piece of shit. But he says with greasy long black hair. But anyway, um, he actually there was a comment there. I'm just going to go back. I did like one of the early comments that we got there that said, uh, um, "This pod has what most pods need: more underarm hair." I think. Oh, fan- fantastic! I knew I shouldn't have fiddled with my uh, with my thing. Anyway, and there was another one from Ars Bros Ryan. Once, once Ars Bros gets famous, Toby's the next spokesman for Head and Shoulders. <laughs> You're getting lots of comments on your looks today, Toby. <laughs> well, you got you got to take it when you're out there. You got to you got to cop it. So we'll we'll um, we'll accept all of those with uh, with love. But um, yeah, no, the the Lamella. Goal, Un- unbelievable, and I'm loath to um, to give him too much praise. But the dirty motherfucker got sent off. He got exactly what he deserved because he was um, he-, he was in a lot of players, um, and uh, that should have been almost the end point for us to 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 calmly see out <laughs> the rest of the game. And uh, as we know, that wasn't the case. It's funny that, I, you know, we were talking about Tierney and I don't think there's an Arsenal fan alive who doesn't love Tierney, you know, from the Tesco bag, as we've talked about, mm. through to his attitude, to his uh, ability to, to cross the ball. He's, he, he's superb. You know, hopefully he'll be our, next, our left back for the next 10 years. You know, he's that good. We mm. love him. And I'm not saying about it in this incident particularly, but he enough go down and hold his face a lot for such a tough, Scottish, hard man. He gets a little oh. flick in his chest and he rolls around holding his face. And, it, you know, it's my pet hate with football these days. Me too. Me too. It's, I'm actually it. annoyed that you pointed it out because I must have um, tunnel vision because I haven't actually noticed it with Tierney. Whereas anyone else, I would be having a real problem with that. 
Yeah, but I mean, it's, it seems like every game he'll get one in the chest, he'll get one in the shoulder, and he goes down rolling around holding his face. And he is yeah. a tough man, you know. And yet, I reckon just... it's coached. I reckon yeah. it's coached, Daz. I, you know, it's it's such a um, repeat sprint game. These guys are absolutely shagged, and I reckon rolling around and clutching at something and screaming is an opportunity just to to slow the play down a little bit and catch a breather and reset in your formation. That's one of the things we've learned with this lockdown, with not being able to go to football matches. I always have the crowd noise on. I can't I can't watch it without the crowd noise because yeah. it just feels like watching Sunday morning football, you know. It's, it's horrible. Uh, I might as well yep. go over at Hackney Marshes and watch a game. Um, <laughs> but, but the one thing that has come out is just how much these grown men scream. You know, they really do scream like girls, don't they? Really scream. Mm. And uh, it's embarrassing. You know, it's, it's really embarrassing. But it's coached. It's yeah. coached. I was playing five-a-side um, a few years ago, and there was, um, you know, and it was a fairly rough game, as amateur football tends to be. And there was this this Italian bloke, you know, you know, well, you know, Aussie Italian, but in an Italian strip. And um, and I followed through with a tackle, and he it was like a ballet dancer. He hurled himself to the ground. I'm like, there's no fucking ref here. Actually, there was a ref. I tell a lie, but in any in any case, it was it was just ridiculous. So people revere that you know they look up to the footballers, and that's the way it's played. So. It's it's been ingrained in the culture, and um, and I think it's 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 certainly coached into it now, as well. But it's bloody bloody horrible. A um, couple of things that we didn't uh, touch on, which I think we really should. Um, let's do a two in one because I think they're quite a good package together. Even though I didn't think they were initially, um, is Erdegaard and ESR. The yeah, performance, I mean, the performance from from Erdogan, He he was my man of the match. By by the way, I thought he really controlled the tempo nicely, held possession. I thought he pressed well. I thought he won the ball back when he lost it. He really showed desire. Um, he was creative, and and he scored our first goal. I thought he had a an absolutely brilliant performance. And and ESR was for me the player that made in that first half in particular and set up an awful lot of a lot of chances and and hit the hit the bar as well so the if we discuss the two players now um for me ESR showed a hell of a lot of pace so I have more faith in him as a as a left winger um and I think Erdegaard is really starting to come into into his own so would you care to elaborate on that. Yeah, it's funny. Erdegaard's a funny one for me because, you know, I've been watching Arsenal for, for 40 years. Blimey, longer, 50 years. I've been watching Arsenal for a long time and I've never really had a situation where we've got players on loan. You know, we're the sort of club that loans out players. Mm. So I find it it's a little bit of a strange situation where you've got a player that you've only got for a few months, you know, and then he's he, he's possibly going back. So I'm a little bit low that Arteta seems to be building his his team around Erdegaard. He's, he's got him in when there was a lot of talk that he wasn't the sort of player we needed because ESR yeah. had just started to play very well in that position. So he gets in a player on loan. Obviously, um, he must want him for next year, but whether we can afford it or whether Real Madrid, there's too many ifs in there. So he seems to be building his team around him. And then he shunts ESR over onto the left-hand side, and we all think that's a terrible decision, you know. So, it was a, and then I did. had a I bad did. game. Yep. Was it the last game or the game before last? Um, mm. he, he he had probably his poorest game, you know, not terrible. Yeah, I, he, I think I think it was his last. Was it his last Premier League game or the one before that? Maybe the Burnley game that he was he was not good. Anyway, you know, and continue. It, and then Will Smith-Rowe was out injured in that game, I think. So it was, mm. it was you know, all or nothing on him. And so we, we've sort of got, but, but against Tottenham at the weekend, that's where you sort of see how they can both work. You know, you're right, Erdegaard completely controlled that game. He's not only his work going forward, but he chases back. He, he presses really well. He's a smart player. I think Arteta likes, one of the things I like, he likes intelligent players. You know, he really does like intelligent players. Mm. And Smith Rowe getting shunted out on the left seemed like a mistake to me. 
But when you can see his smart running and how well mm. he worked with Tierney down that left-hand side. Yeah, great no point. Great them. point. You know, yep. Nobody's going to be able to stop them. Mm. So, uh, no, no, I, I, I agree entirely. I thought ESR's runs and um, give and goes with Tierney in particular and how they link up with Xhaka over on that side with those um, with those left-sided through balls. Um, I thought that was, you know, the, our most productive area. And I know their I know their fullback didn't have a, a great game. I don't really know him, but Doherty but or played, Doherty. I think that's Doherty, isn't it, from uh, Wolves and you know yeah. he's a big transfer. He's a yeah. he was he was really, you know, he's 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 one of the best in theory, one of the best right backs in the country, you know. And yeah, yeah, because yeah. they yep. destroyed him. Yeah. Yep. And it was it, it was great to see and, and our dominance really came from that you know we had very clever cycling of possession uh retaining of possession um the through balls the give and goes they were all well timed and you know we were cutting through them consistently um you know the only tactic i don't like or potentially give them credit was their clearances because we were we were crossing a lot and they were getting in front of everything um so that was that was pretty positive um We'll have a quick quick chat about the penalty. Once again, me being a bit old school, I thought we were a little bit lucky. I've heard from independent sources that it's complete stonewall penalty and that um, Sanchez was an idiot for following through the way he did. I thought we were fortunate. Massive air swing, you know, nicking the ball from Lacazette, and I think he was fortunate that... Um, that he got bundled over. Yeah, I think your it's fairly easy to your thoughts on that. that. I think, well, I think if it was if it was anywhere on on the pitch, it's a bit reckless, and a ref would have blown for a foul. So, in that case, I can understand the Stonewall penalty bit because anywhere else on the pitch, if a player makes that sort of high sort of challenge, uh, then it would have been a free kick. We wouldn't have talked yeah. anything about it. However, and I guess he. And he didn't however, take any. He didn't take any of the ball, did he? However, so that's, never a yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. out of an air <laughs> shot. If that was, if that was us, that's what I think you've always got to look at that. If you turn that around, and if that had been David Luiz um, doing that, oh, I would, ball. I would have been, I would have been up and down. I would yeah, have been. But we, we would have been a hundred percent of absolutely. It was never a penalty if that was against us, you know. Mm. So no, very very lucky. I mean, it was the right decision in that the referee. We needed something. We hit the bar. We hit the post. You know, we we so dominant, and then a, a worldie from Lamella. Everything's going tits up. It mm. was so so important that we got a bit of luck, and we haven't had a lot of luck lately. You know, we really no, and, and, and I'll come back to that that point is that I don't give a shit because we've had the worst refereeing decisions and the worst luck over the last few games. So we'll take it. You know, if you're someone that says it evens out, we certainly have started from quite far in the negative to make up Absolutely. to you know to coming back to to even. So we'll certainly take that one. We'll certainly take that one. Is there anything that you had um, as a burning discussion or a burning desire to discuss? I, I just, I, I think he's, uh, listen, we, people won't like me for this. I keep hearing about how great Thomas Party is. And I really, really, I'm an Arsenal fan with all my heart. Love, love, love Arsenal. And I hope he becomes the new Patrick Vieira. I just haven't seen it yet. I keep hearing people giving him man of the match, you know, great player. He makes the other players around him play better. Jacko is a much better player because Partey's alongside him. And to be honest, Jack has been a much better player, whoever's been alongside him, whether it be El Nenny, Erdegaard, you know, Jacko is playing our best, you know, his best football. And yet all I hear all day long is Jack is terrible, Jack is a cunt, Jack shouldn't be in this side. Partey's the best, Partey's incredible, Partey's supreme. And yet I keep watching him thinking, He's not really done too much, you know, really. Mm. And he's 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 mm. been with us, he's been out injured, he's he's not been consistent, he's had very quiet games. You know, I mean, I was actually quite pleased to see El Nenny come on, you know. And then <laughs> I, you know, when he I wouldn't go I wouldn't go that far. End, I'm thinking, where is this fifty million pound <laughs> Atletico Madrid player that's been coached supremely by Diego Simeone? And I I really and look, I'm not saying he's a bad player, I'm not saying he's he's had bad games. I just don't see what all the hype is about yet. Am I wrong? 
Fantastic point. All right. So this is something that um, that I was hoping that we would discuss. I wouldn't go as far as to you as you saying I was celebrating when bloody El Nenny was coming on. I will never do that in my life. On, it's, I've got a history of supporting El Nenny. It's 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 a functional thing when you're going to protect something, and you know he's great for what he what he is, and I, I love him as a as a person. Now with party, the first part of your point, I think he instantly improved Shaka because I think anyone new coming in makes a competitive person better because you just have to be better. You're not you're not gonna let the new guy come in and and you know make you obsolete or make you worse. So I think I think party did improve Xhaka immediately because of that. The second part where I think he improves Xhaka is that party's better at moving the play forward so party is is a higher risk taker than i than i originally thought rather than a holder so his ability to use his now his speed his quickness of thought to bypass that initial player that's pressing him so party makes us go forward quicker all right the thing I'm a little bit disappointed in party with is some of the stray passing. So all of the things that we would shit on the other players for, for poor pass completion or opening us up to transition or, you know, giving away fouls, that type of thing. That's potentially, uh, maybe not the fouls thing, but the opening us up to transition thing potentially and the loose passing is what I would say. He's not quite as good as as I thought he he was. But what I love about him is the size and the aggression and the ability to win that second ball. And I think that's where the Arsenal midfield, for as long as I can remember, has sucked balls. Like I, I'm talking as far back as Vieira. Petit, Ray Parler, you know, those type of aggressive players that if they lost the ball, you would be hurt to get it back. You know, the, the desire was there rather than the pretty technical players, which was all about possession and triangles and tick-a-tacker. But you would, they would be opened up. They would be cut through like a souffle at the, you know, at any moment in a transition. So... I think your point on party is is valid that he's actually been quite inconsistent and hasn't always been the, the the best and has given the ball away more but I really feel that he's a good um what's the word I'm looking for a good foil for for Xhaka because they're really different and then they complement each other in the right, right way defensively they're very different in the way they go forward but they're a brilliant defensive combination. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm not going to... I'm hoping that he... As I said, I hope that he fulfills that hype. All all my point is, is that there's been so much talk. I watch football. I, I watch agree. Football I agree. I, watch. I agree. Yep. Anyone, Arsenal fans, you'll all disagree with me, but you watch Xhaka for the last two months. He's been a best player. Consistently our best player. You know, there's been a mistake or two in there, but who doesn't make mistakes? Consistently our best player. Fields, and he's played he every minute of every fucking game. The left back when well. he needs to, playing lots more attacking balls, having a few shots, you know, scoring some goals. Jack has been outstanding. And I just want to mention a comment here, the Gooners podcast. He sort of summed up what I'm thinking. I think party with some time off and a full pre-season will be an absolute beast next season. This season so far has been stop-start and that gets in a person's head. And that's exactly where I am. I mean, I, mean, I, I hope that as he grows into this club and he grows into his role, he will become the player they're hyping about. But my point is, is that, you know, you just got to watch the two. Jacker's, Jacker looks like the £50 million player, you know, and Party looks like the £30 million player. And, and people just don't seem to to get that. But then I'm a bloke who loved Gendouzi. I thought Gendouzi was going to be a star for Arsenal. You know, obviously he's got a, a you know, he's got a young man syndrome where he's he's got some issues 
Um, but, yeah, um, and, 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 and it's funny, and we're getting a bit general with the discussion now, but I, I was not so much of a Genduzi fan. So for the very reason, I think, with what you're saying, is that, that a lot of Arsenal fans buy into the narrative they're told who to love and who to hate, and there isn't a lot of independent thought going on. You know, we live in a world of sensationalised headlines and clickbait and, you know, deliberately divisive comments and points of views and even our ex-pundits, you know, who are, who are Arsenal fans or Arsenal players are even playing that role of being, you know, divisive in their, in their views. So for, for me, Genduzi wasn't my biggest fan. I loved his aggression. At, at the start, but then I also realised that he followed the ball around like a fucking headless chicken and left, you know, acres of open spaces and, you know, often left, um, you know, a player like Xhaka completely exposed sure. and then it's one of my, show. One of my criticisms of Arteta was that he didn't resolve that Genduzi situation in that all of those things that we liked about Genduzi, he hated losing the ball. He had a bit of flair. He had an engine. He, he loved to close people down. He loved to mm. tackle. But he wasn't disciplined in his play. He just wasn't mm. disciplined. He had a, um, a sending off in, in him all the time. He would just chase the ball like a, a, a mm. headless chicken, as you said, and, and leave people exposed. And I thought Arteta would be a good enough manager to control that beast. And mm. and I thought he could be a really good Arsenal player in the future. And I mm. still hope he can. I think there's an incredible talent in there. It's, it's a really good point because everything you've described with Genduzi is everything I love about football. I, I'm, I'm such a sucker for aggression and, and being a fans player. I'm uh, an absolute sucker for it but there was just something about him that that didn't always gel with me and and potentially he was aligned a bit too much with Emery as Emery's favorite and maybe that's why I sort of fixated on him as being someone that that I decided that I didn't support so much I wanted to see more of Torreira I never got to see Torreira enough in um in my, in my opinion, but um, yeah, all of those very good points and um, very interesting discussion. I will bring one thing up. So I had a scribble on the sixty eighth minute, Daz. All right, I'm going to read this. Um, so I just thought this is something that I have to write down because I found it a really interesting, interesting point. I haven't listened to a lot of the other podcasts yet because I've been um, busy, so I don't know if anyone else has brought it up. But I've written here, Pepe on the 68th minute. He just showed why Arteta doesn't pick him. A goal up, trying to keep possession and protect the lead. One touch attacking through ball, which is intercepted, counter-attack, spurs so close to scoring transitions is what Arteta is trying to avoid. Not that Pepe is bad, but his game management and, tele- and intelligence isn't always great. Thoughts? Well, well for a start, I, I ended, you know, we talked about Arteta liking intelligent players, and this is where Odegaard fits so well into this side because he's a smart player. I think Arteta wants smart footballers, and I think that's where Pepe has taken time to settle under Arteta because he's not disciplined. You know, he's a flair player, he's a luxury player. And when that's not working, there's very little to to put him in the side. Where I disagree is I think in the last two months, and he's not been first choice, he mm. has got better and better and better because he is chasing back. He's starting to understand his role in this team. And the, the, the mistake you're talking about, which led to a Tottenham counter-attack, you know, I can counter with the fact that he broke up the play and then hits a fabulous first-time ball through, which creates the instant from which we score. You know, mm-hmm. and and that's something that, that you know, there's, an, there's a, um, a natural ability to this player that's got this, this, this way of changing a game. And I think he's growing into this team and he is growing under Arteta. I think he will be an exceptional player next year. And where you mentioned at the very start, what a good squad we've got with an option of Saka or Pepe on one side 
and Emil Smith Rowe or Martinelli or 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 Willian, you mm. know, or on the mm. other side. You get a good some... number nine in there, and yeah. somehow we managed to keep Erdegaard, and we are we're pretty happy. Things are starting to look pretty rosy. Love it. You know, Can't we've even got I even get back there this season. We've even got your mate, we've got El Nenny in there who's playing a really good team role, which is exactly what he was bought to do. Well, El Nenny, look, I, I know those who listen to me over the years. Um, it isn't that I'm a big El Nenny fan, but at the start of this year, uh, I could see just by watching football that El Nenny was doing all the basic things that Arteta wanted right. He was, he was brilliant the in the charity shield. I'm sorry yeah. to butt in, but he was the best player on the pitch in that game. Well, for me, he was just doing the simple things. He was passing the ball. He was the one he, Arteta wants to play out from the back. He was the one that went to receive the ball. He's the one that would can turn left or right because he's two-footed. He's the one that didn't give ball away. And everyone was complaining about he was sideways and he was defensive and he wasn't very good and Thomas Partey's going to be the new big thing and we need an attacking midfielder, we need a defensive midfielder. And these were the complaints that I got. All I saw was for six weeks... Elneny being a really solid, consistent player. Now, I'm not, I didn't say then at the time he should be our starter for the next five years, but I just couldn't understand the criticism that he was getting as a player for doing what the manager wanted him to do. I thought he was exceptional. And as the season's developed, he's got less and less first-choice football. He's become a very good squad player and people have started to accept him. But that goal we scored against Benfica last week, you know, we're going into that game on Thursday night this week in a really strong position because El Nenny smashed one in from 30 yards. You know, mm. let's let's give the guy some credit. You know, let's mm. really just appreciate that he's an Arsenal player and I'm a supporter. Let's support the players. Why does everyone have to be shit? You know, why do, why do we always watch football trying to justify our opinions that that player's no good, so he's always going to be shit? And he can play nine good passes, but the one bad pass means that Jack is shit. Two reasons, Darren. Social media. And the way that everything is black and white these days. Everything is pro and anti. There's no grey area. There's nothing in the middle. So we are... We are, to be on my high horse, we are manipulated constantly with our train of thought by the surroundings that we, that we have because division and debate is what creates more viewership, which is how money is made. So we're, we have actually been trained, instead of enjoying football and supporting our team, every single discussion, in or out. Arteta yeah. in, Arteta out. Not enjoying your team because it's your team and enjoying up social media you just and, and, me. and enjoying the process just i'll finish my one my one thing because you started on this earlier i have enjoyed watching arsenal more the last few months than than i have for quite a long period of time even the fa cups were relief because we'd had so long, so long with that. So we're actually starting to see something for the future. We've got London Colney kids. We've got clever, per like it's actually starting to feel like our club again. So anyway, you know, I, I hope I'm not being too positive because no, that's no, uncool. No, I think what you're, you're, you're saying is absolutely what is wrong in football and what we need to do. You know, this, this is it. We've got a manager in the club who's got a long-term plan. We've got a great academy that is starting to bring some great players through. We're spending money within our means, but we're by investing 70 million in Pepe and 50 million in party shows the ambition of the club. So I think, and you know, we're playing some exceptionally good football at times. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited for the future. You know, really, am. I, I'm loving watching Arsenal. I'm loving watching this football club. All I wanted to say about social media, I am on Twitter, but I'm not the most active. And I just wanted, you just reminded me there, I wanted to just apologise to Mike Scunny. Uh, Scunny, who I, I noticed this morning, <laughs> just this morning, sent me a message on the 26th of February saying, would I like to go on a podcast? I know it. <laughs> and I only saw it this morning. So, Mike, sorry. Yes, I would have loved to. But send me a WhatsApp. <laughs> anyway, we've done over an hour. Is this... <laughs> no, it was it was it was the you stole my thunder. You stole my thunder, Daz. I was just we were going to finish on the high 
of where we were going and we were watching. We were really enjoying watching Arsenal. So let let let's finish there and let's trick the trick the viewers or the listeners <laughs> into us finishing on that high. Um, and um, yeah, no, we'll, and we'll finish there. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure. I hope it hasn't been too much of a positive fest. I know, yeah, Ma- this, I know, I know. Max likes a, a a lot more debate in this, you know. And you and I have just bloody agreed with each other the whole time. So <laughs> we need we need more divisive uh, language and more, um, you know, and more debate. Kobe, but Kobe, I've, we've I've, just beaten Spurs and we've just won three one away in the Europa League. You know why? Why shouldn't we be positive this week? Why should fucking, we be? It's fucking happy days. It's happy days. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Um, with a kind of Ask Brothers OG, and um, and we'll be back for the next review pod soon. Good. This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter.